morning, good afternoon, good evening. Hi, welcome to episode two of Pod Statue. I never thought we'd make it. This <laughs> no. <laughs> so I'm Kayla. I'm Evan. And yeah, this is episode two. Can you believe it? Let's I can't, go. I kind of can't believe it. <laughs> so firstly, to start off with, I guess a disclaimer again. So we are not doctors. We are not giving medical advice on this podcast. If you do have any concerns or specific questions, please see your GP. And yeah, yeah I guess, yeah. I guess we'll start off just by saying a big thank you to everyone. A um, huge thank you. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much for your kind words of support. It really means a lot. It was obviously a scary thing putting this out there. I'm still freaking out. But um, <laughs> the, the kind of like the initial feedback that we got back was, um, was really good. Um, and thanks again for liking and sharing our Facebook page, our Instagram and our Twitter, now that we actually have those things set up. Yeah. Um, and we'll, we'll post another post with a link tree so it's all there and easy to access. Um, and just once again, like the amount of support that we've got, um, yeah. it's really encouraging and, and it gives us, you know, we're not getting paid for this. This is something that we're doing purely out of love. So yeah. it really gives us a reason to just keep going. This is, yeah. I guess, our little passion project, baby. Yeah, yeah. pretty much. <laughs> um, so I guess in terms of upcoming episodes... So, so we've got something exciting to announce. Yeah. So next week we will be recording a, our episode three uh, with a very special guest. Uh, it will be a Q and A. Um, I think that's all we can share for the for yeah, the moment. Yeah. Also, I guess just letting you guys know that um, you know this person's heavily um, invested in the field. Um, they're an aspiring obstetrician, nearly yeah. on their way um, to entering the training pathway, um, and also very heavily invested um, in the research in the obstetric field as well, yeah. which is really exciting. So it's a massive honor that he even agreed to come on this podcast. Like it's definitely, and we huge. think it's a real treat. Um, as well that he's coming on. Yeah, you guys will love it. <laughs> like, um, yeah. Speaking of research, though, we also have an episode coming up um, to do with the research paper that we're going to analyse and, and kind of discuss in in kind of the way that we do these podcasts. So we think yeah. that that one's going to be great. Um, and that will be regarding uh, COVID. We also wanted to start, before we started really going through what we wanted to talk about today, which is going to, we are going to talk about the physiology of pregnancy. We just wanted to... I guess start off by saying that we will be using a lot of medical jargon during this podcast. And the reason why we're doing that is, well, firstly, we know this may be daunting, uh, but what we do hope is that it allows you to learn. And this in turn, I guess, empowers you. Um, as I know, when I was a midwifery student, um, we were always taught and I'm sure through medical training, medical school, you've been taught to not use jargon Mm -hmm. with, your patients but sometimes it just it does just happen and this may leave patients feeling really lost and overwhelmed at at times so we hope that by being exposed to it now you'll be fully equipped to understand these terms if they do pop up again yeah definitely because i think you know knowledge ultimately is power um and you know when you're in a position where you don't understand some of the things being said um we hope that it'll help anyway that you know you've heard it somewhere first so at least you'll have, you know, a bit of an inkling about what's going on if they are used. I mean, generally they're not. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's more just to give you kind of the the toolkit there if you ever do need to use it. Yeah. Or you might even, it might just pop up and you might be like, oh, I've heard this word before. Yeah. I'm going to go back to the podcast and listen to it. And, and yeah. there we go. Yeah. <laughs> and <then> yeah. <laughs> Full circle. <laughs> so I guess um, we'll start off firstly um, just with a, with a major definition and, and that is the trimester. So the trimester is something obviously that gets spoken a lot of. Um, you know, in pregnancy, you know, what trimester are you or I'm this trimester and and it's good to kind of know what they are. So I suppose what a trimester is, is really dividing the pregnancy into three parts. Yeah. 
um, into three trimesters. So one, two, and three. Um, and they're week periods. So trimester one being one to 12 weeks. Mm -hmm. Trimester two being 13 to 26 weeks. Yep. And then trimester three being 27 to term or usually 40 weeks. Yeah. So that's really the main thing that we wanted to define. And then as, as these like things come up, um, we'll make sure that we do our best to kind of go through them. Yeah, 100%. 100%. Um, so the next thing we want to talk about is the anatomy of the female reproductive system and arguably most important probably is the uterus. Mm -hmm. um, so what is the uterus? I'm sure everyone has, I'd say everyone has heard of what a uterus is. Mm -hmm. So it's essentially a secondary sex organ and it's located in the pelvic region mm -hmm. of a female um, and it's responsible for maintaining the developing fetus and allowing its passage through to the outside world. Um, so Evan, <laughs> what is it made up? What is it actually made up of? Yeah. So I suppose before I go into that though, I might just start off with a kind of like a, uh, how big it is, I suppose, just so everyone can kind of understand. So I suppose, um, when, when the woman's not pregnant, the, um, the actual uterus is about pear shaped. Yep. So it's about the shape of a fist and it sits, like you said, um, in the pelvic cavity. Um, so really what's the uterus made up of? It's made up of three layers. Um, and those three layers are called the perimetrium, which lays on the most outmost um, edge of the uterus um, and then inside that you have the myometrium which is your muscular layer um, and this is really the layer that you know really swells and grows and really helps with those powerful contractions during pregnancy and labor um, yeah and labor yep um, and then you've got your endometrium and the endometrium is further divided into two layers yep. um, the outermost of which is shed yep. um, and it's shed every month um, when the woman menstruates something that you don't know about no yeah. definitely no. not <laughs> and it's really the uterus is an amazing organ i suppose because it's one of those organs that change so much in such a short period of time. Yeah. So, you know, in that nine month period of pregnancy, there are so many changes that happen to the uterus in terms of its size um, and in terms of the structures that it kind of um, pushes up on really yeah. um, as well, which we'll kind of go through when we're talking about the anatomical relation of the uterus compared to other organs in the body. So where it really sits. Yeah. Um, just, I guess, going through that, back to that rapid change of the uterus. So obviously, as um, the pregnancy is developing, the uterus changes in size. Yes. Um, and the uterus does move up in the body cavity. So I suppose, um, you know, at the start, around the sixth month, it's kind of sitting midway um, there in the abdomen. Um, and then, you know, at the, at the nine, uh, eighth month spot, sorry, eight to nine months, it's sitting up near the sternum, so right near your chest bone. Mm. Um, something really interesting happens there during pregnancy. So I guess the, the, the uterus is kind of largest and the baby is kind of highest in the kind of the eight month stage. When you get to nine months, something called engagement happens and, and we'll talk about that in another episode. But really the baby's head drops into the pelvis and starts yeah. getting ready for the process of labor. Yeah. Um, and so everything kind of drops a bit. So during that kind of period of time, it actually becomes easier for the woman to breathe. Yeah. Yeah. So again, just some big kind of time points. So at 12 weeks, you've got the top of the uterus sitting around the pubic bone. Mm -hmm. And then by 38 weeks, it's up near the... Um, the diaphragm. Yeah, yeah. Near, the, near the chest bone there. Yeah. Um, another important thing is the portions of the uterus, I yeah. guess, how it can be divided into three parts and they are the fundus, the body and the cervix. And I guess the cervix is something that we've all heard about, heard about before. Yeah. Especially with cervical cancer. Yeah. 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 
Um, do you want to go into a little bit of detail about that? Yeah, yeah I'm happy to. Yeah. Um, people are probably getting sick of my voice, but um, no, yeah, I suppose, um, yeah, I suppose. Yeah, I suppose. I suppose. I suppose the the uterus is divided into three parts, and that's kind of like one of the things with anatomy. Everything is divided and subdivided, but it's really to give um, you know everyone a really good idea of exactly where you're talking about. So I suppose that's another thing about these anatomical terms. They really give us kind of like almost a GPS in the body, mm-hmm. um, because it's really important when we're referring to things that number one, everyone does the same thing no matter what country they are, no matter what language they speak. But also that way, if anyone is speaking about anything, say for example, over the phone or even reading it in a book, they know exactly what you're referring to. So with the uterus, it is divided into three parts. So you've got the fundus, which sits at the top. Yep. Um, and this becomes really important when we talk about some measurements, which we'll probably do in another episode yeah. as well. Yeah. Um, and then we've got the body. So the body is kind of the main part of the uterus. And this is where the fertilized egg, and, and Kayla will talk about this a bit later on, that's where that implants. Yeah. Um, and then you've got the cervix. So the cervix is the neck of the uterus. And that's really what the head of the baby and then the baby will pass through and then through the vagina and then outside to the world. Yeah. Do you want to talk about how how it's related, I guess, in terms of the vagina? Because I never knew that how the cervix actually sat in relation to the vagina. I just yeah, assume. so... So I guess like the uterus kind of sits at the top with the cervix. Yeah. Um, and then you've got the, the vagina, which is obviously a hollow um, part of the body, a hollow organ. Um, and then that kind of connects around the uterus yeah. with these spaces called fornixes. So fornix is just a space. And you have spaces on either side, so the left and the right, and they're called lateral fornixes. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you've got spaces on the front and the back, and they're called posterior and anterior, anterior fornixes. Yeah. Posterior being at the back and anterior being at the front. Yeah. Um, and these are also important regions because when you have any kind of like fluids or anything like that from the uterus, so say, for example, bleeding, for example, in a surgery, um, obviously the, the blood will move to the point kind of lowest in gravity. Yeah. Um, and it can hide kind of on the other side behind these fornixes. So then if you want to sample that, you can then just put a needle through one of the fornixes to remove the blood from the space. That's really cool. Yeah. I never knew that. That's really, really cool. Um, so in terms of its positioning, mm-hmm. the the positioning of the uterus inside the inside the body, so the uterus is antiverted and anti-flexed. So that essentially means that the uterus is tipping forward yeah. in a way. Yeah. But you had a really cool hand analogy. I'm, I, it's going to be really hard to explain on the podcast. We'll try our best, but we'll also put a photo up, I guess. Yeah, so I think we should. So I suppose the easiest way to do it is to put your closed fist in front of your face with yeah. the back of your hand facing your face. Yes. Yep. Yeah. So you see so your fingers and your thumbs. I'm watching you doing it and your, I'm struggling. <laughs> your finger, This might be the worst analogy I've ever done. But your fingers and thumbs are pointing away from your face and then you kind of cock your wrist forward. Yep. And that position is how the uterus sits in the body. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. So I guess that's the best way to um, yeah. think about it. You know those uh, like those ducks that um, you kind of touch them and your heads bob into the water. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of, yeah. You, you're, 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 <laughs> your fist is going that way. Um, and, and I suppose as well, when it comes to the um, like anatomical um, kind of ways in which the uterus sits, there are a multitude of different ways it can sit. So it's not only antiverted and antiflex. It can yes. be you know retroflexed and and etc. And that that's a whole other kind of topic, I suppose. Yeah. We can always go through that in another podcast. But, mm-hmm. um, another... Oh, why don't you um, go through the fallopian tubes? Oh, yeah. So the vagina connects to the uterus at the bottom of the cervix, which is something that Evan talked about before. And at the top of the uterus to either side is the fallopian tubes. So we have the uterus directed directly connected to the fallopian tubes, and then we have the ovaries. Mm-hmm. So the ovaries are connected to the body wall via a ligament. Yes, yeah? correct. And it's well, not yeah. something really interesting, and it... it boggled me like when i first learned about it i was like what i didn't really understand 
they're not actually connected to the fallopian tube. So at one point in time being ovulation, when the egg, I guess, is ready to be received and et cetera, et cetera, menstruation happens, it kind of, the the egg in itself kind of floats within that intra-abdominal yeah, so egg, space. Yeah, the egg pops bit. out of the yeah. ovary. And then there's these little kind of projections of the fallopian tube and they're called fimbra. Fimbrae, yeah. And they kind of, you like know. Like just swoop in and yeah, like swoop yoink. it up together, yeah. <laughs> um, which is really cool. So you have like a period of time when the when the egg is, is really floating in the abdominal cavity. Yeah. But, it's just like, you know, magically, like, magically, but like, you yeah, know, every single you time. You can call it magic. Yeah, like, yeah, every single time though, you know, mostly every single time anyway, yeah. it makes its way into the fallopian tube, yeah. which is just nuts. It's really, it's nice. <laughs> it's beautiful. <laughs> so I guess the next thing we really wanted to talk about was, obviously we've talked about, we've really talked about the anatomy of the female reproductive tract, but we haven't really talked about pregnancy much. So... I guess we should really, yeah, discuss pregnancy and what does happen during pregnancy. And the first thing that happens is fertilization, mm-hmm. something that I think we've all heard about. And what we have is a formation of something that we call a zygote, which is then followed by a significant period of cellular division. And we eventually have the formation of something known as a blastocyst. And this is the structure that actually implants into the body of the uterus. Yeah, and, and actually, interestingly, you've got this period of division, though, that's happening where the actual cell mass size isn't increasing. No. But you've just got these divisions and subdivisions that keep happening inside yeah. that are leading you to different stages, and they're called different things like blastocyst and moral uh, And the moral, yeah, the eight-cell state. Yeah. But really, <laughs> ultimately, what are we trying to achieve here? We're trying to achieve a baby. <laughs> a squishy baby. <laughs> a squishy, a little squishy baby. So what happens is the blastocyst essentially implants, and we have... The blastocyst is essentially divided. That's really hard to say. The blastocyst is essentially divided into two parts. So we have the inner cell mass and the trophoblast. Mm-hmm. And the trophoblast in itself ends up becoming the placenta. Mm-hmm. And the inner cell mass becomes our little baby. And yeah, so that it all occurs at approximately day five. And by approximately day eight, we have the formation of something known as HCG, which is human chorionic gonadotropin. And this is produced by the trophoblast cells or the future placenta. Mm-hmm. So, um, Evan, have you um, ever taken a pregnancy test? I might have. <laughs> no, no, I, I, def- <laughs> I definitely have not. Okay. Well, when females do take pregnancy tests, it is actually HCG that is measured in their urine. And so that's an indicator of a positive pregnancy test. Um and it will only be returned if you have significant levels of HCG within and, and your And these pregnancy tests, can I say, they're very sensitive. Yeah. So it's predicted that if you have a 28-day menstrual cycle, you'll be able to de- de- you'll be able to detect HCG in urine by approximately 12 to 15 days following your normal ovulation. Mm-hmm. Um, and they actually peak at week nine during your pregnancy. They are. And, and I guess HCG, beta HCG, is actually a really interesting molecule. So... Structurally, it's very similar to your thyroid hormones. Um, and what beta-HCG does is, though, when it's in very high amounts, it makes you feel nauseous. And so it's that rising beta-HCG that really corresponds with that morning sickness, and which also explains why at week nine, when beta-HCG peaks, that's when morning sickness also normally but, peaks. Yeah. I guess another interesting fact as well is um, in twin pregnancies, you get much higher amounts of beta-HCG and you're more likely to be nauseous, much more nauseous in a twin pregnancy. Oh, that's really cool. I never knew that. That's awesome, actually. 
Throughout the growth of baby, mum obviously makes changes to her physiology, either knowingly or unknowingly. And the one thing we all do is when you find out that someone's pregnant, have you ever looked at them and been like, oh, yeah, I can tell you, like, you're glowing. <laughs> like, yeah, like, I that. always Everyone do that. I'm like, that. oh, yeah, you're pregnant. That makes sense because you are absolutely glowing. Like, you look gorgeous. And I never got that until I started working in obstetrics. And yeah. you would just go there and every patient would be glowing. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. A big glow. Yeah. <laughs> put, your sun, put your sunnies on when you enter. <laughs> Chuck on some sunrise, some sunglasses. So um, there's actually a physiological underpinning to all that and this is due to a gradual increase in blood volume by approximately 30 to 50 percent um we also see increases in things like plasma volume and red cell volume over the course of her gestation yes but i suppose we should add though that although plasma volume increases yes. the, the red cells don't increase that much yes so there's this kind of concept that you know we want to teach you guys about and that's called hematocrit so hematocrit is basically a big word to mean how many red blood cells are floating around in your blood the best way to think about red blood cells are they're basically cars that oxygen can get into yeah. and then get dropped off at tissues. Yeah. So the more red blood cells you have, the more oxygen you can get around and the less you have, the less um, oxygen that you can get around. Um, and so in pregnancy, there is a slight decrease in that. So there is a slight decrease in, in the red blood cell amount because of that increase in the plasma volume. Yeah. Um, what we also see is a dramatic increase in heart rate by approximately 20 beats per minute. And that starts quite early. Yeah, it does. It does. And stroke volume as well. So for those of you that don't know, stroke volume is the amount of blood that's ejected from each ventricle during contraction of the heart muscle. Yeah. And I suppose just quickly, like really just going into a basically like the heart is a four chambered pump. Yeah. And so the stroke volume is the amount of what we can get out of that pump. And so if the stroke volume increases, that just means that that pump is getting out more mm. liquid, yeah. more blood to transport around the body. Yeah. And for all our listeners who are familiar with cardiac physiology, uh, we would also see an increase in cardiac output because... Okay, cardiac so the nerd, the, nerd, <laughs> the nerd in me has to come out now and, and talk about a love of mine called the Frank Starling mechanism of the oh, heart. Frank um, Starling. So really um, taking it back to some like really basic math, um, the cardiac output, so how much blood is coming out of the heart, is determined by the heart rate mm -hmm. multiplied by the stroke volume. Yeah. And really that makes sense. So the more times the heart is beating and the more blood that's coming out of there... Exactly right. ...means it's that going to... the total blood will increase, right? Yeah. Which is the cardiac output. The, the Frank Starling mechanism really talks about this thing called cardiac contractility. So how much the heart or how hard the heart is contracting. Um, and the heart does this amazing thing, and that's when it's stretched, it pumps harder. Yeah. And so when the woman's blood increases in the body, the heart stretches more and that causes it to pump harder. Yeah. Meaning that the blood volume is delivered more efficiently throughout the body. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Which, which I think is just so cool. Oh, it's bloody awesome. But every, look, everything about pregnancy is awesome, but this is just something, like I said, either knowingly or unknowingly, the mum's bodies just change and, and, and they change so quickly and the thing is they change it's a change towards perfection really yeah because like at, a well oiled machine yeah like as these changes yeah. start to occur really it's all going towards the one thing but the body in itself is working kind of like an orchestra really. yeah, yeah every kind of player comes together every organ comes together and contributes in its own way yeah um to really supporting and nourishing the baby yeah it's like we were made for this. Like yeah. it's just, yeah, it's it's absolutely incredible. Um, another thing that's really important is that blood pressure will also decrease during pregnancy. So this is really because endothelial derived relaxant factors will enhance vasodilation. So 
what we see is a fall in total peripheral resistance. So if you can imagine two pipes, so the first has a diameter of maybe one centimeter, the other one five centimeters, there will be more resistance in flow in the one centimeter diameter pipe than there would be in the five centimeter because there's more room to move, more room to flow. And and for any nerds out there, um, if you go and look up uh, Poiseuille's law, um, you'll be able to read oh, up about oh, that. So as I think it's as the resistance of the tube decreases by half. Sorry, the, as the diameter of the tube decreases by half, the resistance increases by a factor of 16. Yeah, <laughs> something like that. I am not a biggest, as big of a nerd as you. <laughs> Say the name again. Point. I, I actually think it's no. probably Poisson. <laughs> As you can say, I'm not. I'm definitely not French. Like I, I actually hate you so much sometimes. Like <laughs> this is probably why on a Friday night we're recording this. To be <laughs> so, if we have a decrease in total peripheral resistance, we also have a decrease in the pressure of the blood. So to compensate for this, mum will increase the amount of blood ejected from the heart, leading to this increase in cardiac output and heart rate and stroke volume. Of course, as we discussed. So. Again, as Again, I was saying, it all comes together and it's just, um, yeah, it's just incredible. One thing that I really wanted to break down quickly um, is this endothelial des- derived relaxant factors because that is a big sentence. That is a big so, word. I suppose, um, let's I don't just even go think back. I understand it. Let's, <laughs> let's just go back to the, the pipe, so the blood vessel. Yeah. And I suppose the main thing is the blood vessels also have uh, layers. Um, so it has um, an inner layer called the endothelium, mm-hmm. um, a muscular layer. Um, and then an outer layer of um, connective tissue. Um, that inner layer is called the endothelial cells. Those cells that line the vessel do a lot of things. They bind to things that circulate in the blood, yep. but they also release factors that make changes to the vessel. And that's so that at different kind of parts of your body, you can regulate the blood flow. Yeah. So pretty much all that sentence really means is, is that those inner cells inside the blood vessel are releasing a factor or a thing um, that will cause them to, to dilate. open up wider. Or, or yeah, open. that's yeah. What is I guess especially interesting here is the increase in blood volume with relaxation of the muscular walls of the veins and increased intra-abdominal pressure as a result of growing bubs uh, can lead to something that we know as varicose veins. Actually, I know we know it, but you might not know what that is. Um, varicose veins does usually occur during the second trimester, and essentially what it means is. Well, firstly, they can be hereditary. So if, um, for example, my mum had varicose veins during her pregnancy, it would be likely that that would be something that would happen to me as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and they more commonly occurred to women going through their second pregnancy as well. Mm-hmm. Um, do you want to describe what it means? Because it's, yeah. it's a little bit, it's, it's hard because we're talking about dilation and how blood is flowing much easier, but then we have this increase in intra-abdominal pressure that creates essentially a popping out of leg veins, which is what it does. Look up some photos on Google Images, mm-hmm. <laughs> is all I can say. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I suppose before we can kind of talk about that, we need to go back to the basic physiology of a vein and why they're there. So, I mean, I guess, you know, if you put your hand on your chest, you can feel your heart beating. Mm-hmm. The heart's beating quite strong and it's pushing blood out at really high pressure. But we have a problem. Arteries turn into veins. Yes. And the veins need a way to get the blood back to the heart, right? Because Mm. everything's a closed circuit and we need the blood to circulate. But obviously we don't have a second heart in our feet, (laughs) right? So we need a way for the blood to get from our feet back to our heart. And there's a number of mechanisms that happens. 
two of the main mechanisms that happens though is through through muscles so for example you have a main calf, your main calf muscle surrounds a major vein and when you walk or when you you know contract that muscle it forces the blood back up which is why it's really important to walk when you're on a flight yeah. so you don't get a clot or yeah. a dvt yeah but or some people wear those compression the stockings, stockings yeah. yeah or or more importantly though inside your veins you have valves mm-hmm. and these valves are, are one way valves and what that means is once once the blood kind of goes up a bit because of movement or because of the muscles they fall back down but they don't fall right back down to your leg. Yeah. So really you can almost think about the the blood making this crawl up your body back yeah. to the heart. Um during pregnancy though these valves are obviously under immense pressure yeah. and you can get leakage of the blood kind of backwards. Yeah. Backwards leakage and then this is called venous stasis but basically just means the blood is pooling yeah. and then you can get varicose veins. And the reason for this is because of that increased pressure. Mm-hmm. I think you talked about the increased abdominal pressure. Yes. Um, and, but it's also obviously the uterus sitting on a main vein, which is the vena cava. Yes. And then that also really, that also results in this kind of pressure buildup. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and we talk about some of the symptoms that mums may experience if they have varicose veins. Yeah. So it's described as like itchiness, mm-hmm. even a burning sensation. Um, but they do usually disappear after baby's delivered, yeah, which yeah. is, I guess, the good news in, in majority of pregnancies anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, what we also see is by 17 weeks, mums usually may usually experience an increase in breast sizing. Um, so this is due to elevated levels of estrogen and progesterone. Two hormones, I guess. Yeah, mm-hmm. leading to an increase in vascularization of the breast tissue. So really like what we're saying when we say vascularization is we're meaning that as the tissue grows blood vessels grow into it as well because obviously the tissue needs nourishment to grow. Yeah. Um, and so that's where this term vascularization comes from. Yeah. And mums may feel some form of fullness and a tingling sensation and tenderness to touch. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> what we also see is changes in mum's respiratory physiology. So what we do know is that breathing is controlled by our diaphragm. And the diaphragm is essentially a large muscle that separates our abdomen from our chest. Yeah. And I think before we talk, when we were talking about the uterus and how it changes shape during pregnancy, we said as baby grows, it's going to grow. The fundus of the uterus is essentially going to go upwards. Yeah. And it eventually reaches what's our sternum. Mm -hmm. And what's it called? The ziffy sternum. The ziffy sternum. sternum. So so the bottom part of the The, sternum. Yeah. And just the sternum again is the breastbone. Yeah. So if we assume that that's like a, I guess, a measure for where approximately our diaphragm is usually sitting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If Bubs is growing upwards, not Bubs is growing upwards, but the uterus is going upwards, if that's what you can imagine it as. Mm -hmm. It's going to press onto our diaphragm. And that that is a problem. Yeah. Well, it's a huge problem. Um, So mum's respiratory system needs to essentially do more with less as the diaphragm is pushed upwards. And what's funny is that the tidal volume increases during late pregnancy um, and Tidal volume is essentially a measure of the amount of air that is inhaled with Yeah, which is very counterintuitive. Yeah. The total breath actually increases. Yeah. Um, What we also know is that things like carbon dioxide are actually a trigger for respiration. Yeah, and actually, I might just put in like a little tidbit there. So say, for example, like, you know, I'm sure everyone did this when they were a kid, but, you know, you go into the bottom of the pool and you hold your breath and you see how long you can hold your breath for. And you get that over-sensing urge that you need to breathe. Yes. Well, that's not because of a decrease in oxygen. That's mm-hmm. actually because of a decrease in, uh, increase, increase in carbon dioxide. Yes. So that's one of the major kind of molecules in your body that alerts your brain that you need to breathe. Yeah, like, hello, I need oxygen. Breathe, please. <laughs> breathe, please. <laughs> so pregnant women will actually breathe earlier than, like, 
what we would at lower levels of CO2 than what we normally would. And that's because there is a lower threshold for changes in CO2 as a result of increased progesterone and an increased receptor sensitivity to CO2, which is like super weird. Mm -hmm. And because there is lower CO2 gradient in mum as well, due to a decrease in partial pressure of CO2, it allows for fetal fetal CO2 to easily diffuse into the maternal circulation for removal as Mm -hmm. well. And again, a lot going on there. So let's just try and explain that through a little bit. So I guess... We should start off just by saying, so when we talk about the fetal CO2, obviously we, we, we're talking about the carbon dioxide that's in baby. Yeah. That baby needs to pass on to mum so that mum can breathe it out. Um, one of the kind of important things that we need to talk about when we're talking about physiology is this concept of diffusion. Yes. And diffusion pretty much underpins the world. Yes. Really. It's everything that happens. All diffusion is is saying that if you have something at a high concentration somewhere, yeah, it will move to a lower concentration. Yeah. Um, and the best way to kind of imagine this and the way I think about it is if you have a box of Smarties yeah. and you spill it on your table, the entire box of Smarties doesn't sit in one nice kind of circle. No, it's it goes all over the table. Yeah. And that's what diffusion is. It's moving from that high concentration in the to box. To an area of essentially yeah, to, space. To areas really, of space. Yeah. yeah, and it's moving. Yeah. And, and really, the body does Lots this in a really time. kind of... Yeah. Um, <laughs> and the body does this in a really kind of cool way that by changing the kind of pressure of carbon dioxide that's in mum, it increases that gradient so that baby is more easily able to send that... Obviously, it's not sending it, like thinking about sending it. Um, Carbon dioxide can't think. Um, But it's more allowing for that diffusion process to occur. Yeah, It's taking advantage of the process. And it's really important because, obviously, baby can't breathe. Mm -hmm. So mum needs to do that for for baby. baby. Yeah. Yeah. Um, lastly, in terms of our gastrointestinal system, so mm-hmm. we've, I guess, already dis- we also have a decrease in motility, so essentially called peristalsis, due to increase in progesterone. So, as I said before, or as Evan described before, progesterone is a muscle relaxant, and this is important as constipation is a common complication during pregnancy. Mm-hmm. So, if it's relaxing muscle, muscle is less likely to contract to mm-hmm. push our, I guess, our excess rubbish out of mm-hmm. our body. And, and I suppose this <laughs> yeah. is one of the things we should have talked about before because I'm not quite sure if we mentioned it during the anatomy kind of part of this podcast. But importantly, where the uterus sits. Yes, I think we missed yeah, that. Yeah, so it actually sits in the middle, behind the bladder and in front of the rectum. Yes. So as the uterus expands as baby's growing, it will push on the bladder, meaning that, you know, mum will need to go to the bathroom more often, but it also pushes on the rectum. Yes. Which also kind of increases that that constipation Feeling. that occurs during pregnancy. Yeah. And while I guess there is actually a benefit to that, and that's that the lowering of that emptying time is it allows for increased absorption of things like water and sodium, which all are very important for very baby. important. Yeah. And um, something that's, I guess, also enhanced during pregnancy is the height of the duodenal villi and therefore surface area. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I can go into that a little bit more. So I guess this is again, Um, going back to these basic principles. So surface area is something that's really important in the body. And we have this kind of idea or this thing called surface area to volume ratio, which basically means that the higher the surface area to volume ratio, the more you can absorb. So I guess if we kind of imagine the intestines, Mm -hmm. they're a very long tube. If they were completely flat, you might have, you know, I can't remember exactly how long it is, but say nine meters um, of intestine to absorb. But when you have these villi, which are 
pretty much these little kind of squiggles, so yeah, it's bunching like up tissue pretty projections. much. Projections, they're like finger-like projections. Yeah. Then they go back down. And, and then on those villi, you also have micro-villi. Micro so there's villi <laughs> on villi. Um, and so all these things really are aiming to increase the amount of free space on the tissue to absorb. Yeah. I guess it's like kind of like, so say like, for example, if we think about those Grass. villi. <laughs> grass is a good one. No, grass is good. Um, grass that grows in the ground. Grass, yes. Back grass. Yeah, you don't see one giant blade of grass. Like, could you, imagine, could you imagine if you went to a field, you had a picnic, and there was just one, one grass. Why did you put your blanket on the one ground? I can't deal with you anymore. But grass is a perfect example. You don't have one big blade of grass. You have, you have many little blades of grass. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Let's yeah. talk about the last kind of complication of this decreased movement in the intestines. Yep, which is? Which is hemorrhoids. Yes. So as things move slower, um, as as kind of like the, the fecal matter gets kind of slower and impacted and harder, you need to push to get it out. Yes. And that can cause hemorrhoids, which is, again, yeah. one of the things that can happen in pregnancy. Yeah, not even... It does... It's a common... It's something that happens really commonly just in to anyone, the general yeah. population, but it's, yeah, I guess it's hyper-enhanced in pregnancy, in if pregnancy. that's even a word. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So really interesting. Um, yeah. So I think that... That pretty much sums up the, the physiological changes. The really big ones that we wanted to talk about yeah. anyway. There are a lot of other changes that happen. So there are molecular changes that happens. So things in your body, the molecules change. There are changes to the musculature in the body, so yeah. the muscles change. I guess one quick example of that is, you know, the ligaments that are on your sacrum, so on the back of your yep. kind of pelvis, um, they kind of relax a bit to allow for the pelvis to widen and allow the passage of the baby. That's another thing that changes. We have changes to the kidney. Changes to mood. Yeah, changes to mood. Changes and that's definitely mood. something that we will cover yeah. um, on another podcast because yeah. we think that's important. So we wanted to give that its own kind of space. Its own little episode. Yeah, mm-hmm. not a little episode, a big episode. Mm-hmm. I actually wouldn't mind having someone on to talk about that. Because I think that would be great. Yeah, because obviously I, like, I haven't for, gone through pregnancy. And I haven't either, but um, I, I don't think it's really my... I feel like it's not, it's, it's different when you're talking about it clinically, mm-hmm. um, from a clinical perspective, but I would love that personal perspective. Cause obviously we've never one been through pregnancy and I don't know, I guess I kind of feel like it's I think a little bit insensitive to have... to, for us to talk about it, assuming that we haven't. Yeah. And I think yeah, it'd, just, it'd I'd... be great though to have someone on just to get that a more personal perspective yeah. on how they kind of were feeling. So they yeah. can actually tell us that we're not, you know, researching it or reading it off a book. Um, this is someone telling yeah. us their true life story, yeah. which I think is important. Yeah. So I think that's, yeah, I think that's about it. I think that's it for this episode. Yeah. So once again, guys, thank you so, so much for listening to us and hopefully having a little bit of a, a little bit of a giggle. Um, so just a reminder, social media accounts, we have our Spotify, our Facebook and our Twitter, as well as our Instagram, um, will be on Google podcasts. We Anchor, are on Apple. We are on Apple now. And we are now on Apple, which is, yeah, huge. <laughs> I can't yeah. believe it. So we'll post kind of, um, links to that through, through a link tree. So it's all organized in one space. Yeah. I'm going to we'll hand that, that responsibility over to you because sure. I don't know what that means. Okay. I will do that though. <laughs> um, and then we'll also kind of post some notes from this podcast in our Facebook and Twitter feeds. So you all have access to that. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. So I suppose that's it. That's it, guys. Um, have a good one. Stay and safe. Stay safe. Until next time, guys. Look after yourselves. See you later.